welcome back to episode 10 of Honey in the Rock. That's kind of a long time. Um, and I have a super special guest today. This is Annabelle. Hey. Um, she, we met in seventh grade. We run together um, cross country and we go to school together. She's a super sweet friend. She's so wise and smart. Um, and so I'm super excited for you guys to hear from her. Today we're going to talk about fostering and adoption. Um, and she has a really cool story with it. And she has a really strong passion for the Lord, and so I'm super excited for you to hear from her. Um, but, like, I start with every guest. Annabelle, what is your story with Jesus? Um, so I would say I grew up in, like, a Christian home, you know, kind of all the normal stuff. I got yes. saved when I was eight, and I was baptized a little bit after that. Um, and sort of around middle school, I guess I started to realize that, like, if I got an answer right in church or I knew all the right things to say, then people would look at me and say, oh, she's such a great Christian, like, she loves the Lord so much all that kind of thing, mm -hmm. and so then my family, this is a little flashback, but when I was three, <laughs> my family started doing foster care, and even in that, I kind of started to realize, if I help my parents with, like, doing these chores, or I'm really sweet to these kids, then people are going to look at me and say, oh, she's so great, she's such a helpful kid, my parents are going to love me, my siblings are going to love me, mm -hmm. and so I was so focused on just kind of what other people thought of me, Right. and so sort of over time, and especially, like, in the past two, three years when I started high school, the Lord sort of kind of point out that that was the sin of pride in my life and sort of right. how, like, being so focused on how other people saw me. And so right. he began to lead me to lean into more of, like, a posture of humility and obedience to yeah. him rather than that focus on what other people think. Yeah, that's so good. That's, like, to me, so cool that you're able to, like, realize that you're being prideful that way and, like, willing to change instead of, like, seeing it, but, like, running from it, or, like, saying, oh, it's okay, it's just, like, something else, like, that's, like, shows you a lot about your character, that you are willing to be, like, whoa, like, I am being sinful in this way, um, but, like, I think it is easy, like, when we are raised in a Christian home to be prideful in those ways, to, like, I wanted, I always, like, in middle school, wanted everyone to think of me as, like, this, this, and this, and instead, that really, like, was, like, oh, and when, sure. when you first were telling me about how you're prideful in that way, I was, like, wait, I'm so prideful in that way, too. I was like, okay. <laughs> you pointed that out to me, and I was like, wait, like, I'm, like, doing a lot of the same things. I'm like, oh, I need to do this. I want the moms at the church to think I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. And, like, they weren't all bad things, but it was like I wanted me to look right. good, not Jesus to look good through it. Um, so, um, as you're saying, your family's been fostering since you were three. Mm -hmm. um, how do you think that has impacted your faith? I think one of the things that I just saw a lot, especially even, like, from being super little and starting mm -hmm. foster care, was just that, like, there's just little moments and, like, very everyday things that yeah. are just, like, almost little, like, tastes of heaven. And so right. it's, like, I just see this one kid laugh or smile because I was playing with them and things like that. And, like, just realizing that faith isn't just, like, a go to church on Sunday and all those things that I was talking about mm -hmm. earlier, get the answers right. Yeah. It's more of, like, an everyday and, like, there's little moments of your faith that can be, like so huge and so life-changing right. honestly because those are the moments I look back on yeah. more often than I look back on like a Sunday morning service or right, something like right. that and also what I was saying earlier like I learned how to serve other people without making it like self-focused like right. I wasn't serving other people to say look at me like we do foster care we adopted yeah. these kids like I was serving others because like I was seeing the impact that that was having right. in their life yeah that's so cool like it really is truly like such an impactful thing and it looks from the outside of, like, oh, like, look at what your family's doing. You guys are, like, impacting these kids' lives so much, which you are, 100%. But, like, also, like, how much it's impacted you. Mm -hmm. And, like, 
to me, like, when I see you and, like, your family and, like, you guys are walking around with, like, 12 kids walking around, <laughs> um, it really, like, encourages me and, like, shows me that, like, it's hard sometimes. Like, that can't be easy. But, like, how worth it is, it is. And, like, also, like, the impact you're making on them. Especially. But also to see the impact it's made on you. It's just, like, so cool to look at. Um, a verse that I found um, is Second Corinthians uh, 9, 8. And it says, And God will generously provide all you need, and then you will have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. And so, to me, it's like, the Lord is providing in those ways. Like, not to say you don't have hard days and like there are so many hard things that come with that fostering and adoption and like those kids are coming with such hard burdens but like when you're serving the lord in that way he's going to provide um and then there's leftover for you to share with others so then you're also like he's providing for you guys and then you guys are able to provide Mm -hmm. for those children and so like that's just like such a cool thing of like how the lord um provides and he's um so patient in that way um, so my next 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 <laughs> next question for you um, is how has adoption changed your outlook on life? Okay, so when you sent me this question, I was kind of deciding whether I wanted to interpret it like how it impacted like my like my what am I saying right now? Like how it changed my perception of my life, <laughs> yes, and also how it changed my perception of like other people's right, lives. right, right. And so like with other people's lives, like I got to see the beauty, like just what the beauty of life is, and yeah. how like. There, like, there are babies who, like, shouldn't have lived. My baby sister was born so premature, and she was four pounds whenever she right. was born. And, like, just to see the beauty that, like, she has an opportunity to live in mm-hmm. a family who loves her and um, cares for her and can provide for her basic needs and her spiritual needs. Right. Um, it just showed me, like, sort of the beauty of life and, like, just how yeah. incredible life is and, like, how much God cares for you. Yeah. And then just in my own life, I've gotten to, like – develop sort of like I'm looking into a career in counseling just because I've seen like how that's helped my family and like Mm -hmm. it's just like it's laid out my future for me in a way that seems so clear and I didn't that wasn't something I ever expected right right and so it just kind of take the focus took the focus off of myself and sort of like refocused me on serving other people with my future and with my career and just in the place where I am right right now yeah that's so good along with that like Obviously, you don't 100% know what your future is looking like, but it really is, like, so cool that God is making a way um, with the experiences he's given you and his your family. Like, that's kind of how, like, a lot of things I want to do in the future are because of the things that were so hard in the moment. Like, the hard things I've gone through and, like, now that are, like, can be great things now, like, make my future seem a little more clear. And so it's, like, really cool how, like, God, like, makes himself known in that way. Um, and so... What is your family's story with fostering and adoption? Yeah, so like I was saying, when I was like about three, but a little before is when my parents started to consider like, and hear from the Lord the idea that like our family wasn't complete at where it was, which was me, my older sister, my younger sister. And so they both like separately heard that from the Lord and then kind of brought it to each Mm -hmm. other and realized that they were both kind of hearing the same things. And so that was, I think, on a date night. And then they came home and were looking into like international adoption and they still sort of weren't feeling like that was the route that, like, the Lord was calling them to. And so they started looking into foster care. And we, I think they, t- when I was three, we had a placement of a little boy. That was our first placement. He was also three. Yeah. And so that's how I always remember how old I was. Right. Um, and then a couple years later when I was six, we had a little girl who I was just talking about, my little sister, who was a tiny little baby, adorable. Uh-huh. Um, and she came into our home, and it wasn't looking like, the goal of foster care is ultimately 
reunification with the parents, but that it just right. wasn't looking like an option. And so my parents felt really called to adopt this little girl. And they, my mom was taking her to one of her visits, and um, she saw a little boy walking out who was visiting with the same mom, which is my little brother. And so um, he was screaming his head off. She, like, gave him a cookie out of her purse or something. Yeah. And that's, like, how they met. And she really felt the call to keep those siblings together, which is mm-hmm. now something that my parents really try to push for in their, right. like, involvement with adoption and foster care. And so we eventually adopted them, and then – we stopped foster care for a while, took a break, because that was a lot of kids. Right. And so then we moved houses and decided after a couple of years of living in that house that we wanted to start back up foster care. And um, we did that a couple of years back and fostered about, like, 10 or 15 more placements. And a lot of those were sibling groups, like mm-hmm. I was talking about. And since then, we've kind of stepped back, taken another little break. And my parents have really stepped into the role at our church and just in general – around, like, the community of Greenville of yeah. advocating for foster parents, advocating for foster kids, trying to keep sibling groups together, yeah. and all of that. So. That's so cool. That gave me the chills. <laughs> um, I didn't I didn't know the story about how uh, your mom was going in and then maybe brother came out. Um, that's so sweet. And, like, I loved how you were talking about – wait, hold on. I forgot what I was going to say. Do you ever just, like, your mind just, like, I almost – it was on the tip of my tongue, and then it went <laughs> – um, but how you're saying, like, your parents still are advocating in different ways. And then, like, how you were pretty much raised your whole life seeing that and, like, seeing your parents serve so well. Um, I think that probably also, like, encourages you to serve in other aspects in life as well. Um, and, like, the gift of life and the gift of, mm-hmm. um, you know, fighting for those babies and speaking for those who can't speak for themselves. Um, it's just, like, so important. And then also, like, playing in the role. Like, we say we're pro-life. Um, but then when you don't really put in effort to help, Mm -hmm. like, you know, you're just like talking to Mm -hmm. talk. And so there's like a lot of different ways you can help when you speak on pro-life, but like obviously fostering and adoption is like a huge one. Mm -hmm. But there's also like a lot of really cool organizations out there that are like Christian based, like Piedmont Women's Center and like things like that, that you can support that are helping those moms, Mm -hmm. um, and fighting for them. And it really, oh, this is where I was going, was how it's so important to listening to the call of God. When mm-hmm. God places something on your heart, not to ignore it, but to dive deeper into that and pray about it more and read your Bible and, you know, speak with others about that. Because what if your parents just brushed off that calling they got? Your life would be completely mm-hmm. different. Um, Your sibling's life would be completely different. And so it's like how important that is, is to like when you hear the call that the Lord is putting on your heart to like dive deeper into that to see what he really is saying. Fostering and adoption changed your relationship with the Lord. Yeah, I would say, like, 100%. Like, yeah. flipped it on its head, basically. Right. And so, like, one of the things that I really noticed the first time, no, the second time that <laughs> my family decided that we were going to take a break from foster care, like, the most recent time, mm-hmm. um, I was really kind of angry with my parents. And I didn't, that was the first time that I could really identify that emotion, mm-hmm. like, prominently in my life, not just, like, oh, I'm mad at my sister. Right. But, like, a really deep-seated anger. Mm-hmm. And... I think I started to dive into that and realize that the reason that I was angry is because now, what am I going to say to people when they ask me, like, my faith story? Like, what am I going to say to them that makes me look good and makes me look like I'm serving others? Which goes back to what we were talking about earlier about pride. Um, And so when I started to realize that and bring that emotion to God, I sort of started to dive into being vulnerable in front of God and in front of people. And I sort of through the help of, like, some people that are really close to me in my life, 
uh, learned that you can't really be vulnerable in front of, like, your friends and other people in your community before you're vulnerable in front of God. God. Mm. And so, like, when I would feel sad or angry or upset about something, like, learning to bring that to God and set that in front of him rather than just hide it in myself, bottle it up until it, like, kind of implodes, I guess. Yeah. Gosh, I love how you said that. Like, you got to bring it to God. And he already knows, but when you bring it to him, that opens it up. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, open for help. Um, And so you kind of answered that. Like, why do you think that has strengthened your relationship with the Lord? I think it also goes back to what I was saying earlier, just, like, kind of the everydayness of my faith. Mm -hmm. Like, I wake up and say that we have a foster care placement in our home. Most likely I'm going to wake up and I'm going to hear that kid screaming downstairs. I'm going to hear that kid slamming a door because of whatever trauma that's messing with their brain that's messing with their heart. Yeah. um, Which is obviously not their fault. But just beginning to realize like that that still is adding to my faith that's still part of my story to wake up and hear that and like that every single moment that God has placed in my life is something that he intentionally placed in my life and like nothing that God does is on accident right that's so good um and so another verse is Romans 8 18 and it says I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us and so like that honestly kind of went along with what you're just saying. Like you wake up and it is hard and you wake up and you hear those things and like, it's not always smooth and you might get less attention and like all these things that come with it. But like those sufferings and those hard things are not compared to the glory that will be revealed to us one day. And so like, that's like such hope to hold on to. And so whatever you're going through, even if it's not doing fostering adoption, but if it is something that you're just going through, that's hard. Like those present sufferings are not worth, um, comparing to what it will be in heaven one day. It'll be all made right. It'll be perfect. Um, and so how have you seen God impact in these kids' lives? I think, like, we could talk all day about, like, how my family cares for kids and, like, how other foster families care mm-hmm. for kids. But I think that, like, it's so much more important to talk about how God is caring for those kids. Mm-hmm. Because even with what you were just saying, like, God's intentionally placing those kids into our home or right. a home. So that they can find some place that's, like, safe and loving for them. Right. And so, like, as much as we can take care of their practical needs and their physical mm-hmm. needs and even, like, teach them about Jesus, God, it, that all of that starts with God putting them in our home. Right. And so, like, and then after the kid goes out of her home, basically, right. like, and we don't really have any control over that. No. We can do our best to, like, push for certain things, but we don't really control that. And right. so we, like... Oh, sorry, I don't know what I'm saying. No, you're kidding. Um, we kind of, it, you can feel really powerless when a kid's leaving your home because right. you don't know where they're going or what right. they're doing. But that just really taught me in my life to trust God. And so right. like, I'll pray for those kids on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I'll go back through my camera roll and see like um, a little girl that we had with her smile on her face hugging yep. her brother. And I'll pray for her when I right. see that. And so like, I just think that God is going to care for that kid regardless of mm-hmm. what we do. And so it's just a lot of trust in God to do right. that. Right, yeah, that's so good. Um, yeah, that really is so good. And, like, to see how God is doing it. But you also might not always see it. But, like, I was talking about the other day, like, you're um, you're responsible for the obedience, not the outcome. And when you're being obedient to God's call, he's going to take care of those kids and he's going to provide for them in their next step um, after they leave your home question is what are some things that you do in your home to show those kids Jesus so I guess like put it to put it very simply is just loving them and however that looks like for us and a lot of times it requires us to have 
our community come alongside us and us ask for them for help. Like, right. hey, can you get blankets for this kid or things right. like that? Which we have a great community. It's been so incredible in my life to see right. them help us with that. But a lot of that just falls under, like, their practical needs. Like, what I was just saying, a blanket, right. like, a hug for that kid, right. food for that kid, right. water for that kid, a place for them to sleep. Um, but even beyond that, like you can feel like you're not really, like, because if a three-year-old comes into your home, they're not going to get saved, no, right? right? And so, like, you can feel like you're not doing a lot, but, like, just continuing to be consistent for that yeah. kid, because that's something that most likely they're yeah. never, they have never had in their right, life. Right, right. And so, like, that pattern of consistency is so important for them. And then even just, like, small things, like taking them to church on Sunday or every night um, with our most recent, like, time doing foster care my parents would put a baby to bed or I would put the baby to bed and we would say like we would every night we'd tell them like you're strong and you're brave and you're loved and God has a big big plan for your life right and like that like even just my parents saying that it's impacted me so much just those little words but it's also impacted those kids so much just through them I know I was about to cry Um, (laughs) but um just how big like little phrases like that and just continuing to speak truth yeah to even my parents have speak spoken truth to me in front of those Mm -hmm. kids and they watch that and so just just the everyday like like living your life as a christian and right the example yes that you are for them yeah and like you i can even see that from like when your mom brings all the little kids to like cross-country meets and Mm -hmm. to see like her patience for them i'm not saying like she's perfect with always like her patience and just like to show like we support each other we love each other and we're encouraging each other and just like to see like how your mom and you and your family was just like the example and just being that example for those kids just shows them because they might not see that example at home and so like when they get to see that in your home that's just like such a game changer just how like living your life as a Christian is really important because when non-believers look in on our lives and they see we're saying this one thing but doing something else that's really confusing for non-believers just like that like we have to our lives need to be the good examples and we're not going to be perfect at it. We're all sinful, but like the effort to be that good example for non-believers, just like that, you're being that example in your home for those other little kids. So thank you for joining me. You're so smart. You're so sweet. That was so good. Um, I'm feeling very encouraged. I've never almost cried on the podcast and you had me twice where I'm like, look at my toes, look at my toes, look at my toes. Um, but I love you. I love you. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate you. And thank you guys for tuning in, and I'll see you next Tuesday. Bye.